is decoding the crime verse. 911, what's your emergency? Welcome to Decoding the Crime Verse. I am Nolte Lee. And I am Danny. And today, guys, Viva Las Vegas. 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 <laughs> what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, you know? All those things. <laughs> I'd love to go to but Vegas. It really doesn't because we know everything that happens in Vegas. So. You know what? That's my thing is that, like, if you go to Vegas, you often, like, yeah. broadcast it to the world. <laughs> yeah what is this <laughs> i'd love to go there i think it'll be cool just to see just because bugsy siegel started it i mean hello i was about to say bugsy siegel thank you for this show because <laughs> if it weren't for you actually you the show? <laughs> no you know what bugsy you know you know you have a special place in our hearts if you don't know who bugsy siegel is yeah. you clearly have not been listening to our show for a long time <laughs> why yeah <laughs> so go back you'll find out who he is we have all information but today like i said what happens in vegas stays in vegas well unfortunately this was not the case for these two masked robbers who managed to steal over three hundred fifty thousand dollars from armored cars in vegas casinos but ended up being caught in the end so obviously they didn't stay in vegas because mm. the information got out yeah so yeah. Las, in Las Vegas, fortune can last a game or two, but some try to beat the odds with violence. And we are going to be looking at a ruthless mm. band of vicious thugs, which struck several casinos, taking thousands of dollars and leaving a blood trail. So local police and the FBI had to team up to try and identify and track down the deadly gunmen who would stop at nothing to avoid capture and let me tell you these guys were yeah. a lot so September 20th 1999 yeah. it was shortly before noon at the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino two armored carriers escorted by an MGM security guard transport Sent the casino's money towards the exit where the armored truck awaited. Suddenly, gunmen confronted them and snatched three money pouches which contained nearly $350,000 in cash. Now, that's a lot of money. Because yeah. I know casinos have a lot of money on property because you have to have enough yeah, money do. to pay out like if someone wins big. So the men then fled the scene yeah. through a side exit. The guards then called the Las Vegas police and the FBI detectives. The robbers left no physical evidence at the scene. And the MGM Grand, like all Vegas casinos, had a vast network of security cameras. And on reviewing the video, they then observed the lead gunman and the weapons and basically the way they handled themselves already suggested that they were dangerous individuals so obviously they got profilers in they went directly out yeah. to the sidewalk and down the street agents also then managed to get footage from the hotel's exterior cameras which revealed that the robbers fled across the street into a neighboring hotel investigators went to the hotel to re review surveillance video from the, those exterior cameras to see the robbers get into a pickup truck which was driven by a third man so we now know that there were three people involved in this yeah. and obviously i mean 
compared to like when we've done robberies in the 30s and stuff there was more technology so there was like surveillance and stuff yeah. so there was a lot more that they were working with however the quality of the film wasn't great and they could only get a partial yeah. from the number plate despite having only a general description yeah. the police began searching for the getaway truck however were unable to find it immediately nearly two months later the search continued and the efforts led to a break in the case a Las Vegas Metro police detective located what looked like the getaway truck. And basically, if the truck's number plate matched the partial that they had on the surveillance tape, then they yeah. they kind of realized, okay, this was the truck. And they believed that the, ro- the robbers had waited for the heat to die down before they drove the, the truck back. So, mm. I mean, that is quite a... I mean, yeah. I understand you want to you don't want to be driving in the car that you were seeing fleeing the scene from. The detectives ran check on the vehicle. Yeah, but why wouldn't you change plates or like No but paint the car? Why 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 not just get in a different car? Yeah, like set the car on fire or something. Yeah, I mean like at least ditch it in a lake. <laughs> The detectives (laughs) ran a check on the vehicle's identification and had been reported stolen almost three weeks before the MGN robbery, which, I mean, is a smart move because it can't be tracked back to you. Running a check on the license plate, investigators found that it was stolen from a disabled car uh, storage area. So the car had actually been stolen, the car, not the car, sorry, the license plate. So the car was stolen and the license plate was stolen from two different places. So we had the Hate car it. and then they <laughs> went to the store. You know what? That's, guys, we love smart. Don't be a criminal, but we love smart criminals. The manager of the facility <laughs> told the Las Vegas Metro Police that he knew nothing about the theft and he suggested they must speak to the watchman who lived at the storage area. However... They asked the manager, please just make sure he gets in contact with us, but never did. Months passed and the investigation ran out of leads. However, the June 28th, 1999, nine months after the MGM robbery, the Desert Inn Casino was make there was an armored van making its rounds collecting cash when two men confronted yeah. the guards the guard inside the van was actually then shot in the arm and his partner then returned fire but was hit three times in the leg so you see these people aren't afraid to use guns and violence yeah. they'll shoot for the money an employee mm-hmm. then told investigators she saw the gunman flee the scene in a light colored suv and the police put out an alert Then an FBI special agent, Richard Beasley, studied the crime scene and he said that it was a very bold attempt to try and take on an armored car. It's not something easy. Mm. These guys weren't afraid to use firepower. And at this point, they actually believed that the people who had attacked the MGM and who had attacked the Desert Inn were two separate groups because their MO was different. Investigators said that criminals really change their MO if it's worked for them in the past. They don't just switch it up if something worked we're not changing the plans now okay don't fix something that's not broken basically and what happened was the mgm was indoors they were waiting for the guards and then ambushed the guards and took the cash whereas for this one they were actually trying to take the whole truck so i mean it's a quite a step up 
Ten minutes after arriving on the scene, Agent Beasley got a call that the getaway car had been found. Inside, they found shell casings on the floor. Investigators also found an empty water bottle inside the vehicle and preserved it in the hopes of recovering DNA, which they then hoped that they could compare when they had suspects. Agents interviewed a man who was said he saw the SUV driving past. He was walking his dog. And he witnessed the exchange of vehicles. So he actually witnessed them like getting out of the one car and into another car. So again, they're not stay they're up, they're moving, they're not staying static. Yeah. They're they're which again was probably why it was so difficult to, to catch them. He notes that they actually had difficulties getting the vehicle started. They were actually very frantic and eventually got the, the truck working. But this then asked the question why are we trying to hotwire our own car? Maybe yeah. you lost the keys. Okay. Yeah. They then noticed there was another car of the same make and model and color parked nearby. And they think in the rush, the men got into the wrong car and then realized ah. the keys didn't work and had to frantically <laughs> hotwire the car, which I actually think is quite funny. Yeah. Because when they looked at the second vehicle that was the same, they found that the license plate had been taped over another license plate. So that was clearly yeah. the one that Data. they were trying to use. The FBI then ran the vehicle identification number and they found that it belonged to an ex-con named Pedro Dur Durante. Durante? Durante. That we're going with Durante, we're going to call him Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> the crime scene investigator found fingerprints on top of the license plate, and it was discovered that they belonged to Pedro. At the request, the FBI agents then asked the witness to describe the three men that he saw. And when they traveled to Pedro's house, they actually were quite shocked that he looked very similar to the sketch. When asked about his truck, he insisted that it had been stolen. Police records did have a report coming through, but that was only after the robbery at the Desert Inn. Yeah. His story was that his wife and him had had personal problems and he went down for a walk and he parked his vehicle and then started walking up and down the strip where he had fallen asleep on a bench and when he woke up, his tree was gone, which I feel is a little con tree. His tree was gone. His truck was gone. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it's a bit convenient if you get what I'm yeah. saying. When the questions became more in depth, he actually pretended he couldn't understand English properly. So he started to be like, like I don't speak that well English, like no yeah. English type of thing. Yeah. So Mans was really trying to duck and dive. Yeah. The investigators were convinced that he was involved, but were stumped by the lack of direct evidence against him. Because again, you can't arrest him unless you have evidence. Hoping to yeah. get a positive identification, the Pedro of Pedro, they actually put his photo in a lineup and then asked witnesses to point him out. However, he was not picked out of the lineup. So again, now they were a bit screwed. So in attempt yeah. to gather incriminating evidence against the suspects they started they set up surveillance on pedro but after weeks of watching him they came up with nothing which i'm pretty sure again smart. again my thing is the first robbery and the second robbery were nine months apart they're not stupid they mm. weren't gonna do them one yeah. after each other especially if you yeah. had the fbi at your door you're not then going yeah. to go and do a robbery the next weekend yeah. it's stupid 
So, on October 11th, 1999, four months after the attempted robbery of the Desert Inn, two armoured couriers picked up 88,000 from the Mandalay Bay Casino and transported it to their armoured truck when they were suddenly ambushed. Uh, at the FBI's Las Vegas, they reviewed the surveillance of the suspect who robbed the MGM Grand robbery and this robbery and they noticed a lot of similarities for example the way they yeah. were walking the way they were carrying their in so yeah. their their guns so they kind of realized okay the MGN and this now Mandalay robbery are by the same people in 1990 the FBI were investigating a Cuban immigrant Jose Vega which was the same man who was the watchman for from the first robbery. So remember they tried to get in contact with the man and he didn't? Yeah. Same man. Yeah. Is he not Pedro's brother-in-law? Hectic. So, Hectic. They now know that the MGM Grand, the Desert Inn and the Mandalay are all connected. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because... We should have actually just gone to man's house. Why are we waiting for him to phone right. you? You stupid. Right. <laughs> so after watching surveillance tapes of both the MGM Grand and the Mandalay robberies, they determined that one of the gunmen really resembled um, Jose. And according... No, the other one, the watchman. Jose, yeah. So, yeah, so, so Pedro's brother-in-law so they now realize okay yeah. he was also at these robberies okay yeah. and according to his probation officer he only earned ten thousand dollars a year and lived in a shack at the storage facility but Beasley discovered that he actually lived in a middle-class house and when they did their financial background checks the house was in fact purchased a few weeks after the MGM robbery no. Why would he do that? No, yeah, you dove. No, the thing was, it was actually purchased on under someone else's name because what happened was, because oh. he was on probation, if his probation officer had noticed spikes in his finances, it would have raised questions as to... Because obviously they know what you're earning because yeah. you're on probation. It would have... Yeah. So that's why it didn't like pop up straight away. However, yeah. They didn't have any eyewitnesses to identify him in these robberies. And just because you spend a large sum of cash doesn't necessarily mean you were involved. Okay. And they didn't have probable cause yet. And they didn't have, they couldn't get obviously a warrant to search his property or his vehicles. On March 3rd, 2000, yeah, March 3rd, 2000, in the neighboring suburb of Henderson, the local police and the FBI responded to reports of an assault on an armored vehicle. However, this time, two of the guards had died. So now we've gone from yeah. robbery to murder. So this is a big step. Yeah. yeah, it's a big step. Yeah. All three men had made their escape and the witnesses described the sedan and they had taken a total of less than $5,000. And... Which, I mean, is not worth the amount of violence that had yeah. been done. 
Yeah. Apparently, the number of rounds that had been fired in brutal cold bloodiness was uncalled for. The details of the attack led agents to believe that the robbery was premeditated and planned by the same group that, that they were currently investigating. The gr- yeah. crime seat technician processed the minivan. Because what happened is apparently they had two minivans parked there when the armored car, then they kind of attacked, but then they got in a different yeah. car and sped away. So they then processed the minivans, but again, the robbers had left no evidence. Investigators yeah. at the scene decided then to join forces and track down the killers. And obviously they needed to move fast in ab- able to be, to be able to cap- capture them before they struck again. Because obviously now things are getting yeah. dangerous now that they've killed people. Yeah. A few hours later... After the attack, the police located the robber's abandoned getaway car in a parking lot. There was blood in the driver's seat, so obviously one of the guys had been shot and injured. The plates and the car were again stolen. The task force was unable to identify the suspects in the robbery, but they were confident that it was connected to the similar heist that had been happening over the past 18 months. On June 3rd, 2003, months after the killings, the Bellagio Hotel and Casino was hit. It was shortly after 6am and casino employees were counting money in the main cashier's cage when men came in with a lot of gun force and then frightened the employees into a corner where they would then clean out the money. They took over $144,000 in cash, but they were not done as they then targeted the change booth where they were able to steal another ten thousand dollars okay no honestly they were brutal and i mean casinos are not little security okay yeah casinos like their money they they because like their their protocol is top guys one of my favorite movies of all time is oceans 11 where they robbed where they rob the MGM Grand, the Bellagio, and I forgot the third one. Yeah. Which are not not the ones that they were just robbing. <laughs> <this. laughs> anyway. <laughs> so a security guard had noticed them fleeing the cashier on surveillance camera and then like zoomed down and alerted the guards outside. And he actually watched the robbers flee the building through an emergency exit. The robbers then jumped into a getaway van and sped off with more than $150,000 in cash. However, they were unaware that the Bellagio guards were following them in an unmarked vehicle and had contacted the police. Ever, one of the robbers realized they were being followed and reacted with violence as they started shooting at the van and actually ended up puncturing a tire which then stopped the van fortunately none of the guards were injured and they provided the police with the make model and license plates of the vehicle and would deduce that they were dealing with the same group of robbers the robbers would shoot their way out of anything and do whatever was necessary to get away from surveillance Jose's prohibition, probation. (laughs) His probation officer was actually able to positively identify him from the video at the Bellagio. And so they put out a warrant for his arrest. 
But they were a bit worried because, I mean, this is a ruthless killer and he's not going to yeah. be taken without a fight. SWAT teams surrounded his car, okay, but he pulled away and proceeded in a high-speed chase. However, since he refused to slow down, he actually lost control of the car and crashed into a tree. He then jumped out and ran away. In his car, he left his wife and child. Hectic. <laughs> and... Obviously, after investigation, they were actually released because apparently they had no idea about his crimes. Okay, he just left them there. They managed to catch up with him and then take him down. Now armed with the search warrant, they were able to enter his house and actually found nearly $100,000 in cash, but still no evidence directly connecting them to any of the robberies. The authorities then moved on to Oscar Cineros, which was Jose's financial front man. And apparently, I think if yeah. I'm not mistaken, he was the name that that house was bought with. Remember Jose bought the house? Yeah. Yeah. Was bought through this guy's name. He actually is like, no, come on. I'll answer your questions. You may search my house. He was like, yes, whatever. Like playing a cool. He claimed he knew nothing about the robberies and was just doing a friend a favor by helping him out with his money. And he claims he was just trying to work hard, pay his bills, and support his family. In the bedroom, investigators found a box full of cash, which was suspicious but not incriminating. But then they found a secret compartment in his closet, which appeared to have everything in it. And they needed to know if these items were used in the robberies and went back to question Oscar. He then opened up about the scar on his knee and they discovered he was one of the people who was shot in the robbery. So that robbery where they then found blood in the car, this was the guy that was shot. He then began questioning about the penalties of these crimes and they actually then said, listen, you're probably looking at the death penalty because two people were killed. This got him to actually then confess to the killings, the Desert Inn attempted robbery, the MGM robbery. The Mandalay robbery and the Bellagio robbery, okay? Also came out that Jose was the lead man. He was running the front. Pedro had been involved in the robbery until the Desert Inn. And after that, Jose had brought in another individual called Luis Soares, who had taken part in the killing. So Pedro had only actually been there for the first two, it looked like. Investigators proceeded with this evidence in the bedroom and actually took each piece out cataloging and making sure there was nothing was disturbed and they could get any evidence and whatever. When they found pipe bombs. So they actually had to evacuate the house and Oscar actually said he he wouldn't tell them what it was for. He actually, he kept being like, no, like, Jose is not telling us. I actually don't know. It was just yeah. for fun. We were just playing around. Yeah. Fam, they had pipe bombs in his house. Pipe bombs, yeah. And they actually couldn't x-ray them because they were made with black PVC. So they actually had to let them explode in the bedroom. So I actually feel like they were planning a much bigger heist that was coming up. Yeah. I think they were getting more confident. I think they were going to rob like yeah. a whole safe. Like yeah. blow their way into a casino. So, based on Oscar's confession, the investigators then arrested Pedro. As for Luis Soares, he fled the state. Ballistic experts tested the weapons found in Oscar's house and they were a match to the bullets and shell casings used for the killings. And they had a solid case. They had a confession as well as physical evidence. But this all went down the drain on October 7th, 2000, when Oscar 
Hang himself in his cell. Not 2000, sorry, 2003. Did he hang himself or did they pay cops to like kill him? Or like other inmates? That's my thing. I don't... It's yeah. always when these people commit suicide. I never yeah, trust it. Yeah, it's always like, who killed him? Because with him, his confession died because it was inadmissible in court now. Yeah. And without his confession... They had a problem because now they could only rely on forensic science. And so they actually then tested the DNA from that water bottle they had found in one of the previous robberies, as well as ski masks. And luckily, they were able to link it to Jose, Pedro and Luis. Okay. Uh. While the prosecutors prepared for the trial, agents tracked down the remaining gunman, Luis Soares, who had fled Las Vegas to Florida. And he was then arrested in fall 2003. He then... Yeah. Took a plea bargain to one count of armed robbery and received 6 to 15 years. Pedro took his chances at trial, was convicted for two counts of attempted murder and other charges and was sentenced to 16 to 70 years. And Jose pled guilty to avoid the death penalty and he pled guilty to two accounts of first degree murder and 44 other charges. And he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So... I thought he was the watchman. How did he become the leader? No, so what happened was he was the watchman who was, he worked at the, the car, like where the car, that car place, where the car, remember they oh. stole the one license plate? Yeah, They yeah, stole yeah. the license plate from that place. He was like the yes. god of that, which is dumb. Why are you stealing from where you work? Yeah, exactly. That links it to you. Exactly. So, yeah, I... I don't know, but my question is, why was Pedro kicked out after the second one? That's also suspicious. Because that's his brother-in-law, so like... But also, the, the, the second one was the only one they actually failed at. Yeah. That was the only one they actually didn't walk away with money. So maybe he did something wrong there. Clearly, and clearly, Jose didn't take. Nonsense. Or maybe he was the one that was holding back the violence. That maybe he was like, very... "Let's not kill people." You know what? You're probably right. Because after that, they they went mad, and they really did go mad. Like they were, I mean, like went full force. Yeah. And I mean, they got away with so much money. I actually think, like... I'm sure he was like to him, if we had killed people, it wouldn't have failed, but you refused to kill people, so you're off. Bye. I wouldn't actually be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't... Because... I don't know, like, it's, it's, it's weird to just, like change people my thing was so in the desert in people were shot i think pedro then yeah. was probably like listen dude we someone's gonna get hurt we can't keep doing this yeah. jose is yeah. like uh you being a sissy kicks him out yeah i uh, actually are oh, you probably right it was probably the violence thing yeah there's always someone who holds back the violence and when yeah. that person's gone they lose it they're like and they lost just... it i mean they killed yeah. two people they were not afraid they went in guns blazing they're like we want our yeah. money and we're taking our money get in my way i yeah. know 
when Jose was driving away, you know, when the SWAT team surrounded him, he almost knocked yeah. over an FBI agent. Like, he was going full speed. He wasn't stopping. Yeah. That guy had to jump out the way. Like, he was. Yeah. He would have done anything to get away. These people were... No, you're probably right. I think it was the violence. Yeah. But then I, that was stupid of Pedro. He should have gone to the police. He would have gotten such a good deal. But I don't think he was a snitch. I mean, he doesn't want to be violent, but I don't think he was a snitch. I would have. You kicked me out. Ha! I'm taking you to the cops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm such a bad human sometimes. Oh, I like this. I love this. I mean, I honestly, Ocean's, 8, Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12, Ocean's 13, Ocean's 8, some of my favorite films of all time. So yeah. just seeing that there are actually like heists in las yeah. vegas like the, that is like epic on another level yeah. despite the fact that they were stupid and got caught although yeah i think if oscar hadn't snitched i think they would have gone on longer i think oscar snitching I was think their problem they possibly would have like every time i heard this stuff with them leaving like the okay. cars or bullet cases no. i was like they sloppy but they weren't caught but, What's Dorf as well is Oscar freely let them into his home when he knew all that stuff was in his closet. And I mean, yeah. he, he freely was like, look around. Like, yeah. Are you? <sighs> yeah. Because I mean, that's basically welcome. I mean, I don't care how good you are at hiding. The FBI is searching. They're going to look everywhere. You get what I'm saying? So I feel like that Unless was... Unless a... you were hoping the pipe bombs would go off. While you're still in the house. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Okay, but you see what I'm saying? I'm saying is that I think he got cocky. Yeah. Possibly. I re- because, I mean, like you said, I mean, the fact that they left shell casings and they left the cars abandoned without yeah. burning them. I mean, these people. Yeah. But the fact that they still was no fingerprints, no evidence, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot they literally had all of this in front of them and they still couldn't pin it on you i really think that oscar was the downfall yeah hmm. he should have been kicked out not pedro yeah <laughs> uh yeah i love heists guys it's just i loved it but i didn't like how violent they became towards the end yeah yeah they got especially yeah. Especially that fact that they had pipe bobs. I know they were... Th- something... Jose was planning yeah. something big there. Yeah. Okay, he was yeah. planning. And I feel like a lot of people could have gotten hurt. Yeah. So I feel like they really were starting to push their chances and push their luck. Yeah. They were planning something. They were probably going to go for the biggest casino. And... Just I really, I, on, I think those bombs would. I, I mean, the, the, like they said, they went from like taking on the guards to taking on armored vehicles. I think they're gonna try like get into a safe because they've got massive yeah. safes under those casinos. Yeah, yeah. That's hectic. That's deep, guy. Guys, this is like a living movie. That's oh. yeah. <laughs> oh. It really is. Understand. But they all oh. got caught at the end. Understand my my heart, not my words. <laughs> Please, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna go rob Monte Casino now. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but we hope we in- you enjoyed this week and we will see you next time. Yeah. But from now until next week, no mourners. No funerals. Stay updated, stay entertained with Active FM on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, LinkedIn, Spotify, Anchor, and everywhere else. Engage with us, like, post, comment, share them out, retweet, retweet, and repost. Spread the word. Active FM. Radio has never been better.